are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to Wednesday, February 17th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. It is hump day, and today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Before we get into today's root subject of the podcast, which is talking about the top of the 2021 NFL draft, uh, the prospects involved, and identifying some players who are good football players but might not just fit the vision of what the Dolphins want to do from a team construction perspective, we got to talk about our guy, Jason Sanders, who got himself a five-year, $22 million contract extension, making him one of the five highest-paid kickers in the game of football. The news broke yesterday afternoon. And if you're a Dolphins fan and you're not happy about Jason Sanders being locked in under contract, I don't know what to tell you because Sanders was phenomenal last year. How good was he? He missed a total of three kicks all season long. He missed zero extra points, which is no longer like a a gimme, given the fact that they've moved it back. It's now like a 34-yard kick. And... He missed just three kicks from field goals, one from beyond 50 yards, and two between 40 and 49 yards, 36 of 39. All-pro season, Jason Sanders, a a contract that, uh, best of all, perhaps, does very little to change the scope and perspective of the Dolphins' 21 cap situation. Uh it's you're you're adding seven hundred thousand dollars onto your 2019 cap by giving Jason Sanders this contract extension, uh, ten millions in, in guarantees. I know there were some Dolphins fans who had questions after I reacted on social, and they said, you know, what does the long term flexibility look like here? I'm not too worried about long term flexibility for a kicker contract, to be honest with you. Ten million dollars in guarantees. That's going to be very easy to navigate, no matter what. And Jason Sanders, he'll be here this year. He'll be here next year. If he's a flop both seasons uh, without even knowing the details of the contract, I would anticipate that is something that they can pivot off of. No questions asked without it being one of those dangerous contracts that really gets you into trouble. Alternatively, I did see a a story. It's a good story from Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald uh, talking about how the Dolphins can double their cap space heading into this offseason. And the working theory within the article was not giving players like Jason Sanders contract extensions, but instead rather uh, renegotiating and restructuring contracts of high-priced players that the Dolphins had just brought into the building, like Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, and Eric Flowers, and converting their base salaries into uh, signing bonuses. Uh, because the player in that regard gets no less money. They just get a signing bonus. They get all their money up front, and the quote-unquote life hack for the salary cap is then you can prorate whatever that dollar amount is over the course of the life of the rest of the contract. And yes, you could get significant short-term payoff 
for making a move like this. But if you're going to do that, you damn well better be sure whatever players you do that to are players that are going to be big picture, long-term members of this football team. Because this song and dance of contract restructures is exactly how the Dolphins did business with Ryan Tannehill and Rashad Jones and made both of their contracts effectively untradeable. Uh, the Dolphins had to pay money and send Tannehill for a four. And we look at what Ryan Tannehill has become as a starting quarterback in the NFL, despite the fact that there were injury concerns at the time of his trade. They should have got a lot more than a four, but his contract was very unattractive, unappealing. And what it led to was a bunch of dead money for the Dolphins as well. The Indominican Sioux contract, the Rashad Jones thing, they gave him a, a contract extension and renegotiated him within the first year. And the thought process was, we want to be able to manufacture more short-term cap space so that we can sign another player to fit under the cap, and we will worry about Rashad Jones' guarantees being prorated later down the line. Well, Rashad Jones and his play fell off a cliff. There was a new regime that came into play. Uh, injuries became a problem, and you've got this albatross of, of a contract because you kicked the can down the road for years. I'm not interested in getting back into that business, and I don't think the Dolphins are particularly interested in doing so either. Specifics of the Rajad Jones contract, he got a four-year, $48 million contract in 2017. March 14, 2018, he got a cap restructure that gave the team $6.6 million in cap space. This is the exact playbook that he received that that Armando Salguero called for in his article is exactly what they did. Created $6.6 million in cap space, converted a $9.375 million base salary to veterans minimum, which was $970,000. That restructure effectively added $4 million across each of the following subsequent years on top of what was already a scaling cap hit, and it made it a really bitter pill for the Dolphins to swallow when it was time to move on from Rashad Jones because they had to take it right between the eyes. So Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, yes, you can restructure these guys. I think the most attractive one is probably Eric Flowers. Flowers is due uh, $9 million in, in new cash this year. If you convert that over and make it veterans minimum, which is for players between four and six years in the league, I think $920,000. So you could save just over $8 million and convert that into a signing bonus, right? What that then does is it gets split that $8 million between this year and next year. He receives it up front, but you're allowed to prorate it. He's got this year and next year left on his contract. So it's $4 million hit this year and a $4 million hit next year. So his cap from this year goes to $10 million because he already had a million dollars of prorated signing bonus in last year, this year, and next year. So he already has a million prorated. You're going to prorate another four this year. 
Uh, so $5 million hit this year. So you save 4 or $5 million. But then his cap hit next year is already scheduled to be $11 million. You add $4 million on top of that, you're talking about Eric Flowers in 2022 with a cap hit of $15 million to be on your team. You can see how these things start to snowball. But the reason why I do think Flowers is doable is because you can manufacture the cap space this year, right? Because the challenge for Flowers is his base salary is fully guaranteed. So that's guaranteed money for this year no matter what. It's not like you could cut him. You'd have to trade him and get somebody to take that fully guaranteed money off your books. Because if you cut him, it's fully guaranteed. You have to pay it to him anyway. So if you restructure and you convert it from fully guaranteed base salary to a signing bonus, you at least get to split it in half. And then if you keep Eric Flowers, but you decide you don't want him on the roster past 2021, you can cut him after June 1st next year and split the remaining dead cap between 2022 and 2023. So you're effectively having the guarantees twice and paying it in smaller chunks over a much extended period of time. Is it worth that much trouble? Is it worth paying $2.5 million in dead cap in 2023 to have $4 million in cap space that the Dolphins don't currently have in 2021? That's a question only the Dolphins can answer. But that's the thought process, and you can see how if you start to play this game, which the Dolphins did a ton of under Mike Tannenbaum, it can get very complex, and you can start spending starting caliber money on dead cap for players who aren't on your roster from two years ago. That's why the Dolphins were in the situation that they were in, and that's why the Dolphins had to take the ambitious rebuild and flush the system in the manner in which they did. Do we want to do that again? Just to be able to say, well, we got $50 million in cap space. Let's go sign Allen Robinson for $20 million per. I don't know if I want to go that route. I don't think the Dolphins want to go that route either. So you just have to tread very carefully if we're going to start proposing contract restructures as a manufacturing of short-term cap space. It's, it, goes, it flies in the face of everything the Dolphins needed to do to get out of this bad situation for them to just turn the ship right back into it. And that's different than spending money for players and, and having big money contracts. I've tried to drive that point home from my perspective. You can have premier players on the team. You can be aggressive. But you have to structure the deals in such a way that you can get out of them and have flexibility. Flexibility, name of the game for the Dolphins this offseason. You're going to be able to pivot, and as you get new information and new players become available and new resources and, and, and draft assets become available, you want to be able to take these things in stride and just get better and have the flexibility to do that and not paint yourself into a corner. You don't paint yourself into a corner with high salaries. You paint yourself into the corner with high guarantees and long-term guarantee commitments that you can't shed. That's the difference. And restructuring these deals starts to do that. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television with real time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. 
Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. So let's talk about this draft class a little bit. We'll talk about the top of the draft order, uh, identify players who do and don't, in my eye, make sense for Miami based on what we know, uh, what their tendencies are, uh, what we believe, I should say, their tendencies are. The sample size is still somewhat small with this total regime. Player one, I'm going to use the draftnetwork.com's prospect rankings, of course, Player number one, Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is probably a fit in just about any offensive system. I will say in in reviewing the Clemson tape, a little bit more RPO and and screen quick game dependent than maybe I realized, and and perhaps that was just 2020, and it's difficult to gather how much of that is a byproduct of uh, the offensive line and Amari Rogers being re- the the most appealing pass catcher. I know Cornell Powell, low round prospect, uh, really came on in the back half of the season, but uh, they were this offense operated a lot more like uh, the Ohio State kind of offense, and that's why I think he'll be a good fit with uh, Urban Meyer's fingerprints on the, the Jaguars offense. Uh, in the NFL. It's a question of whether or not that offense is going to translate or not. Uh, But Trevor Lawrence, of course, is not going to be a play for the Dolphins, so it's kind of an inconsequential observation. Penny Sewell, number two. Yes, this is a fit because Penny Sewell is going to fit in any offense in the NFL. Uh, Physically, he is tremendous. Uh, In pass protection, he can still be a little raw, a little over-aggressive, a little over-eager, can give up inside uh, counters. But you watch him in the run game, and he moves bodies. You watch him in the run game and in the screen game, and he makes plays happen to the outside. You watch him in drive block situations. He resets the line of scrimmage. He has the size measures that the Dolphins appear to be looking for at 6'5", 325. He checks the boxes. He's, he's going to be a fit for the Dolphins. It's a question of whether or not he's the choice at 3. Do they trade back, see if he's still there, if they trade back to six? Philly and the quarterback market's heating up. That's a conversation for another day. At the very least, Penny Sewell, you know he's the number two player on the board. If we're expecting quarterbacks off the board, you can go best player available and draft Penny Sewell, and he will fit. And if you change your system because you change offensive coordinators yet again, he's going to fit that system too. That's the appeal. I'm going to skip the rest of the quarterbacks. I'm not going to do Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. I'm going to stay dialed in on uh, the draft network uh, who our staff is currently working through cross-checks. Uh, we have some updated grades over there, and one of which is we covet Jalen Waddle very highly. Uh, 5'10", 182, uh, was outproducing Devontae Smith in the first four games of the 2020 season uh, in his first year in a prominent role. Uh the fit for the Dolphins is, yes, he fits in the vertical receiver bucket. Dolphins are going to have possession receivers or outside boundary receivers, it appears, uh, guys like Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. They're going to have a speed guy like a Jakeem Grant who wins vertically, has some special teams appeal. Waddle return kicks. Had a ton of success there. I was in person in Tuscaloosa and watched him run a punt back for a touchdown. And then it's the gadgety guys. Uh... Guys like Brandon Ayuk would have fallen into this bucket if they would have 
had their chance to, to draft him in the 20s last year. Uh, Jalen Waddell is versatile. He wins in the short game, and he wins in the long ball, and he wins over the middle of the field in the intermediate areas. Extremely sudden, extremely explosive, significantly more explosive than Devontae Smith. I'm just saying, uh, I think either one is a good fit for Miami, uh, but Jalen Waddell, in our eyes, is a more exciting projection to the pro level than what you get with Devontae Smith. Jamar Chase, wide receiver, LSU. Uh, we, our group came away, we liked Jamar Chase. We think the three-year projection for him is much more exciting than the one-year projection. He obviously had a massive breakout season at 19 years old at LSU in 2019. Does his style of play mesh and match? And even if you put him into the big-bodied boundary possession receiver types, He's 6'1", 208, so it's not even like he's that big. He's not as tall as Devontae Parker or Preston Williams. I just don't know that he's a great ideal fit. Now, if the Dolphins were going to get into having more players, and uh, the Rams do this, everybody can kind of do the same thing. Then Jamar Chase, yes, he would be in the conversation as somebody who uh, would make sense if the Dolphins were going to attack a bunch of players at the receiver position who are all interchangeable, who can all do a lot of the same things and is going to make it difficult for teams to key on uh, alignments and formations and which receivers align in what spot. I don't think they're going to do that, though. So Chase is the first one that I'm a little apprehensive about, just as far as the fit. There's no question he's a good player. I actually think the next guy on the list, Kyle Pitts, is listed at like 6'5", 240, 2'45". His release package at the line of scrimmage, for my money, is better than Jamar Chase's. When Kyle Pitts is flexed out wide and gets to run routes on the line of scrimmage, he is more physical, he is more creative in his release package, for my money, than what Jamar Chase is. And he's 6'5", 240, 245. You want to go get a big body type? I'm willing to put Kyle Pitts in the wide receiver perimeter boundary receiver bucket. I'm at that point now. I know that was a question for Power to the Pod yesterday. It seems like you're not quite as high on Kyle Pitts. It's more so it felt like the skill set with Gusecki and Pitts was redundant. If they're going to play the same role, you're going to go two tight ends and they're both going to be field stretchers and nobody's going to play with their hand in the dirt. That felt redundant to me. But for the Dolphins... Pitts is more versatile, he's more fluid, he's more graceful, he's more athletic. I don't care that he doesn't run as fast in straight-line situations as Mike. I think he's got better ball skills than Mike. Mike is very much an above-the-rim, high-point, go-and-get-it. Pitts does that, but Pitts also has like a horizontal catch radius. Comeback balls on his back hip when he's running up the field, away from the pass. Uh, Got to go down low, dig a ball out. Pitts is the real deal. Uh, Pitts, I just think for Miami, you'd have to be willing to interchange him between and move him around more uh, to avoid overlap with Mike. And I would like to see both of those guys on the field at the same time. And then if you want to get technical, you're in 13 personnel. And that's a matchup. So I can get on board with Kyle Pitts. 
I don't think it's the cleanest fit because the Dolphins one tight end one is kind of kind of cut from the same cloth. But if they came away from the the first pick and they they ended up drafting Kyle Pitts with like a trade back with Philadelphia or Carolina or something like like I'm fine. I'll be super excited about it. He was tremendous. I actually I actually scored and graded him as both a tight end and wide receiver. He graded higher as a wide receiver than he did as a tight end. Christian Derisaw, offensive tackle, Virginia Tech. I personally am not quite as high as the rest of the staff is on Derisaw. Uh, he's very methodical. He's listed at 6'5", 314. So the size is there. But he fe- and he's another one of these developmental types of prospects. But I think his floor is higher than Austin Jackson's because he flipped the switch in 2020. Looked like he really started to figure it out a little bit. Um, if he's there at 18, I think there's a conversation worth having, uh, depending on who else is on the board. If they don't like their wide receiver options, if Najee Harris is gone and they decide they don't want to draft a running back at 18 because that value doesn't match with their ideology, or however you get there. I think Darisaw is within reason but I don't know if he's necessarily the slam dunk upgrade over the Dolphins' current tackles. Uh, At this point in time, that would have me jumping for joy like, yes, write it in Sharpie, let's turn in the card. I do think Darisaw is probably a better fit in zone rushing concepts than he is in gap power. So when Miami goes split flow zone, uh, inside zone, he'd be pretty solid there in my eyes. Uh, Caleb Farley, corner. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. Caleb Farley is next. Now, of course, corner's not the most pressing need. It's still a need on this roster, I think. Uh, if Xavier Howard's back, uh, then it's going to be nickel corner, and, and Farley will not fulfill that role, and anything else that you would have him do uh, would be redundant, and it would simply be setting up to transition away from either Xavier Howard or Byron Jones. If Xavier Howard's gone, I think there's a conversation to be had, and I'm not even going to get into, like, positional value and whether that draft pick comes at three or 18 or I'm just strictly talking, is this player a fit for the Dolphins? Because I'm not drafting Caleb Farley at three. Uh, Caleb Farley, 6'2", 197, a superb athlete. Uh, he's new to the quarter, or cornerback position. Uh, he was a quarterback in high school. And he began his college career as a wide receiver. Transitioned to defense in 2019. Um, Sound familiar? It sounds a little bit like Noah Igbenogany, doesn't it? He's bigger than Noah. He's 
probably similar explosiveness. Uh, he's very fluid. So there, there's an appeal here for Caleb Farley, but I don't necessarily know that unless the Dolphins make some changes to their high-priced corners, uh, that Farley's going to be a fit for Miami. Devontae Smith, I know you guys have been wondering. Here he is, 6'1", 175. Here's where my dilemma comes in with Devontae. Devontae's a tremendous route runner, amazing ball skills. I'm not going to talk about size or anything like that. I'm just like knowing what you know about the buckets that it appears as though the Dolphins, based on the report that came out earlier this week, that you know we want a gadgety guy, we want a slot guy, we want a big-bodied outside guy, uh, some boundary receiver help. What bucket does he fit into? Because he's, and I know he's got the best chemistry with Tua Tagovailoa. I understand that. But you look at Devontae Smith, and the perimeter guys are 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". He's not that. You look at the vertical field stretcher, and that, that's a 4'2", four, 4'3", four, guy. He's not that. And then you look at the gadgety guys, and th- those guys have to have a little bit more wear and tear. Lynn Bowen Jr., Albert Wilson, they work the middle of the field a lot. Uh, they, they get some touches and carries manufactured touches out of the backfield and congested areas. I don't think Devontae Smith's that either. So it really just comes down to like how hard and fast are the Dolphins going to stay on their ideology based on what we anticipate that it is. You know, I can't say, I haven't talked to Chris Greer and Chris Greer says, yeah, our wide receivers are on the outside. They have to be this. And our slot receiver has to be this. And our vertical guy has to run this. Like, I don't know that for a fact. But you look at the writing on the wall with how they've approached building the room and what the traits are of those players who continue to get opportunities in those reps. And you could see the similarities between Albert Wilson and Limbo and Jr. and Malcolm Perry. That's a subsection. You could see Matt Collins is the, the discount version of Preston Williams who's the discount version of Devontae Parker. You could see that trend. So in just anticipating, like, unless you're going to go trend breaker, I don't think he's the best fit within any of the three known or perceived buckets that we have for the Dolphins wide receiver. That being said, he's another one of those players like a Kyle Pitts. I'm willing to be flexible on. If they deem he's the right fit because of chemistry purposes and route running and he wins his reps early, so be it. Great. I'm going to be plenty excited. We're going to go through uh, top 20. So Jeremiah Wusu-Kormo, linebacker slash defensive weapon, is next. He's listed at 6'2", 216, redshirt junior from Notre Dame. Uh, phenomenal football player. I think Brian Flores will love him. The question is, what role does he play in your defense? He actually spent more of his reps lined up in the slot than he did in the box. So you know he's a phenomenal athlete. He's undersized. Is it too redundant with what you have in Jerome Baker? I think he's more instinctive than Jerome. Uh, He's equally as rangy and explosive as Jerome. He's better in pass coverage than Jerome. But is he a linebacker? 
is he a sa- is he does he serve as your third safety? If he serves as your third safety, then do you keep Bobby? You transition from Eric Rowe and Brandon Jones, who you like. Like, th- there's some jigsaw puzzle pieces there that that aren't the cleanest in the world. So, if they're going to go with a hybrid linebacker, I look at Micah Parsons and Zayvon Collins, who are two other players inside this top twenty, and this is a great excuse to talk about these players. These two players, for me have more appeal to the Dolphins because they're more prominent. They're bigger bodies. Zayvon Collins at 260, Micah Parsons at 245. They have experience rushing the passer, playing in the box. And they're both capable athletes because they're super athletic in coverage. Whereas Owusu-Koromoa almost projects more as a linebacker safety hybrid. You have a player like that in Brandon Jones. He's not... You know, don't let good players prevent you from drafting great players. But you're talking about a pick at 18. That's where the, the waters get murky there. Another one of these players that I, I will see why they would have a vision for him if he was the pick, but I would still be surprised if that was a direction the team chose to go relative to what assets the Dolphins have on their roster, what roles can be fulfilled versus which ones are kind of glaring vacancies. Travis Etienne, uh, we have not finished the cross-check grade on Travis Etienne yet, so he may end up lower in the final board for TDN group. Uh, but I could tell you from a pass-catching perspective, from an explosiveness perspective, he'll check the boxes the Dolphins want, and he has the contact balance to be really nasty. Uh, he's listed at 5'10", 210. Uh, Najee Harris is more of an appeal, right, because of the connection with Tua Tagovailoa and the Alabama offense and the road graders up front. Uh, but I'll say this, Clemson's offensive line kind of stunk in, in watching and doing the cross-check on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, their ability to consistently win up front did not impress me. And ETN had to do a lot of work working to the boundary. But he's very capable of running downhill. I don't think he's as fluid stringing his cuts together or having anticipation of what Najee Harris is. But I think he's a more dynamic pass catcher. He's a more dynamic athlete. He's going to run probably two-tenths of a second faster, if not more, than Najee Harris. And he's still 210. He's still 10 pounds bigger than the Dolphins' other backs. I think ETN is a fit for the Dolphins. I think they their number one prerogative is looking for explosive plays and chunk plays. ETN can give you that, even if he's not going to be the mauler between the tackles. He's more dynamic and twitched up enough that if you win a gap initially, he will get there, and he will get through that. So I would say don't let's not sleep on Travis ETN as a potential fit. I know we're all in because it's all Alabama all the time. Rashawn Slater, offensive lineman, Northwestern. He's listed at 6'4", 315. He, like Darisol, he gets into the bucket with his size. Uh, but I think with his style of play, his most attractive fit for the Dolphins is probably at center. Uh, as, as far as their guards, you've got Eric Flowers at 330, Solomon Kinley, uh, 340, let's just call it 340. Michael Dieter was in the 320s. Uh, Slater at 315, he's more so along the size of Teddy Karras. Robert Hunt was close to 340. 
three, between 330 and 340, and Austin Jackson was like 326. So Slater's given up like 10 pounds to everybody besides Teddy Cares. Slater can all play five spots. That attractiveness for positional flexibility is going to be huge for Miami. Uh, I think he's versatile enough where you could find a fit that you feel good about. Open and, and shut case, not necessarily. Quiddy Pay, edge rusher, Michigan, absolutely fits. 6'4", 277. Uh, very explosive athlete. He's a better athlete than the, the edge rushers the Dolphins currently have, but he's the same size as guys like Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Agba. That makes him a fit. Patrick Sertain, 6'1", 203. Family legacy. I have to be morally obligated to acknowledge that and say, yes, I'd love to see Sertain the second suit up for the Dolphins. Uh, the ceiling's not as high as Caleb Farley, but it's kind of the same case. I, I don't see him as a slot, and I don't see him as a player who Miami is going to you know, have a lot of market for just because of where this, this roster exists. Elijah Vera Tucker, former teammate of Austin Jackson, listed at 6'5", 315. Uh, he's played guard and tackle. He stepped in uh, for Austin Jackson at left tackle in 2020. Versatile, yes. Size, eh, he's all right. Not crazy about the fit in Miami. Which brings us to our last player in the top 20. We'll do more of these. Uh, but I feel like 20 is a nice digestible chunk. Uh, Terrence Marshall, junior wide receiver from LSU, listed 6'3", 200 pounds. Okay, this is a little bit of that perimeter wide receiver. Here's what Joe Marino, to TDN, had to say. 2019 LSU wide receiver Terrence Marshall was, quote-unquote, the other guy in a historic Tigers offense that featured dynamic talents at receiver in Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. With neither Chase or Jefferson in the mix in 2020, it was Marshall's chance to shine, took full advantage in seven games, Marshall averaged more than 100 receiving yards per game, hauled in double-digit touchdowns receptions for the second consecutive season. Marshall is a versatile receiver who has proven himself both from the slot and out wide while attacking all levels of the field with consistency. He offers terrific size, physicality, hands, ball skills, run after the catch ability, and route running. Marshall did miss three games in 2019 with a foot injury, had some minor drop issues creep up in 2020, and has some inconsistent moments as a blocker, but there isn't much in the way of notable concerns. Marshall has the potential to become a productive piece of an NFL offense that can produce in a variety of ways. Ideal role is a feature receiver, given opportunities to move around the formation. Scheme fit. Marshall is not a scheme-restricted talent, and he is capable of producing in a variety of roles. His player comparison, wait for it. This is TDM Premium exclusive content sharing here on Locked On Dolphins. His player comparison, Devontae Parker. Sneaky fit, I think. Maybe not necessarily from stylistically winning quick, uh, but a guy who could move around, a guy who is versatile enough to line up both in the slot and outside. He has the, the size to be one of these perimeter guys. I would not dislike this pick. If they ended up came back at 18, they go Penny Sewell, and they want best available wide receiver at 18, they deem that it is another one of these boundary types, and it's Terrence Marshall. I can see the vision. Great, now let's go out and get either a speed guy or a slot guy on day two. 
Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoyed. Keep it locked in here the rest of the week. We got a couple more shows left this week to get into. Uh, I promise we get back to some more fan questions later in the week. Uh, we have plenty of Dolphins offseason content between free agency coming up. Before we know it, it's a month away. Uh, so lots of, of free agent primers ahead, uh, Dolphins rumors, any news that breaks between now and then. We're going to have you covered, so hit subscribe. Come back and see me again sometime soon. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked On Dolphins.